chapter 2 into chapter 3. Hopefully you know where Joel is. It's probably easier to find now than it used to be. Some of these minor prophets. All right. So tonight, the coming tribulation. I'm looking forward to next Sunday night when we're going to carol. Has, has that been something that we've done here in the past? Gone caroling? A time or two? So, looking forward to that. Dress, dress warm next Sunday night. And we'll, we'll have some fun doing that. All right, 5.30 for, for that. But here, the coming tribulation, starting at Joel 2.30. And tonight we see that God has even more good news for the Israelites. You know, the, so much of this book has been negative. As we looked at the locusts in chapter 1, well, that would have been devastating and terrible to behold. But the locusts and then the Assyrian army that would come in chapter 2 and wipe out, uh, they, they, would, they would devastate the people again. And, you know, the purpose is for you know, the people to repent and to come back to God. And at this point with, uh, you know, with the spiritual con 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 condition there of Israel, they were just apathetic. They were kind of half-heartedly living for the Lord. And God was doing what he needed to do to shake them up spiritually and show them that they needed to come back. Uh, look over at Joel 2, uh, verse 12, just a little bit earlier in the chapter. 12 and 13 here, I think some of the key verses in this little book. Yet even now declares the, the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Now those are some encouraging verses. And, you know, those aren't just for the Jews, they're for us as well. If we're living in sin and not living for God as we should, we need to repent and return to the, to the Lord as well. But here in uh, verse 30, we continue on. And we've been looking at the restoration because this discipline sent to the Jews was not forever. The locusts and then the Assyrian army. Starting at Joel 2.18, there's this, this break or this change that takes place. And now God is prophesying restoration and things are going to turn around again. And the physical restoration we looked at there with the food coming back and the, the animals and the land being restored and even their reputation as a people. Then we come to 2:28 and 29, and we have the the spiritual re uh, restoration, and re that was last time. And well, let's just look at those verses. Uh, Joel 2:28 and 29, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. I'm going to stop right there for now. Do you recall when that took place? When that was fulfilled? 
We looked at it last time. It would be about 750 years later. Acts 2, it happened at Pentecost. You know, that right there on the 50th day after Christ's crucifixion, after Passover, uh, they were, 120 were in the upper room having that prayer meeting, and then there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind, and the tongues of fire came and rested on their heads, and they were speaking in tongues. And Acts 2 tells us they were speaking these, it wasn't just gibberish or funny sounds. What's a, what's a tongue? A, a foreign languages. Yeah, a foreign language. And these are, they were Galileans. These are people who knew Hebrew. And <laughs> to, for them to speak any one of these languages, I think there was 15 or 16 different languages mentioned in Acts 2. And they, you know, a lot of people were amazed. And it wasn't just speaking in tongues. It, they, they were declaring the mighty works of God. This was prophecy in different languages. And, and that's kind of a fulfillment here. But Peter stands up. Well, what, th th there were people who say, you know, that's not actually a work of the Lord. They're just drunk. These people are, they're drunk. And Peter stands up to refute that. You remember what his reasoning was? Yeah, too early. They can't be drunk. It's only 9 a.m. <laughs> That's not very good reasoning, Peter. You know, he didn't think that through very well. But you know, like I said last week, he he could have said, "Well, when was the last time you heard somebody drunk who started speaking a completely different language?" <laughs> yeah, understandably heard by. Yeah, so that's an amazing work of God. So, but right shortly into his message, he quotes five verses from Joel, two, uh, starting at 28 and 29, what we just read. And then he, the, the next three verses in this chapter, the last three in Joel 2. So he quotes these five verses. And last week we looked at the first two about the Holy Spirit, how it came upon how it came upon everybody. I mean, it came upon Jews and Gentiles. Now, back then it was primarily just the Jewish people uh, right there in the upper room, but it would come on all flesh, as it's prophesied here. Uh, but there's a time coming, the last three verses, we're still waiting for them to be fulfilled. There's still a, a yet future fulfillment because, as we'll see tonight, this is the tribulation period. And we aren't in the tribulation. Now, some people would try to tell you maybe we are in the tribulation, but that, that's not true. If we're in the tribulation, you'd be able to identify the Antichrist. And it's just we aren't there yet. The rapture takes place first. So let's go ahead and read, starting at verse 30, and we'll read down here a ways. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pause there for a second. Do you, do you recognize that verse? It shall come to pass everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Where's that found in the New Testament? Romans 10, 13, you got it. All right. If I had a piece of candy, I'd toss it over to you. (laughs) Very good. All right. Continuing on. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land and have cast lots for my people and have traded a boy for a prostitute and have sold a girl for wine and have drunk it. What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon and all the generations of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. For you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their own border. Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them. And I will return your payment on your own head. I will sell your sons and daughters into the hand of the people of Judah. And they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a nation far away, for the Lord has spoken. All right, we'll just stop there for now. But quite a passage here. And we're talking about a time a long ways in the future for the, for the Jews at this point. This is a prophecy around 3,000 years later or more because it hasn't even happened yet we're still waiting for it this was in the ninth century bc Um, but much of it is dealing with the tribulation period and there's a lot of you know there's a few hints pointing to the tribulation but a lot of details are left out the reason is because later on in the new testament especially in Revelation, uh, a lot of these blanks will be filled in, a lot of details given, yet not com- completely. But a lot of that, I think, is to, confuse the, is to confuse the devil. You know, you think about Satan. He doesn't, he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything that's going to happen. And he, uh, if he knew all the ins and outs of every prophecy, he would have ways to stop it. There are ways to, to thwart God's plan. So but here, here we, uh, the first point, and let's, let's, let's actually just stop right here for a minute and just pray, ask for the Lord's blessing on this time in his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for this minor prophet. We thank you for the prophecy in Joel. Looking forward even now to the tribulation and the final battle at the end of the tribu- tri- tribulation, where you defeat all the nations who have rebelled against you. And we just pray you comfort our hearts. We thank you that you are sovereign. You are in full control of history, of the, uh, the workings of mankind and, and the rising and falling of nations. And Lord, we know that your plan is best. And I just pray you comfort our hearts. I pray the Holy Spirit would guide us 
as we study these things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the first point tonight is establishing Armageddon. Establishing Armageddon. And, and I use that term Armageddon as referring to the final battle of the tribulation, the battle of Armageddon. Now, there is some disagreement amongst Bible scholars as to, you know, in Revelation 19, where the Lord comes, you know, he descends from heaven on the white horse, the armies of heaven with him, and he comes to defeat all the armies. Is that the battle of Armageddon? Is that the, is that the name of that battle? Well, in Revelation 19, verses 11 to 21, that passage, never once does it say Armageddon. In fact, it doesn't even give a location. Uh, it's, the speculation is that it's Armageddon because three chapters earlier in chapter 16 is the one reference to the word Arm, Armageddon. It's only used one time in the Bible. It's in Revelation 16. And it's talking about how the nations will be gathered to battle at Har Megiddo, which is the uh, the hill of Megiddo, which is north, of, it's in the northern part of Israel. But it is, you know, there's a, a valley of Megiddo, which is very massive. But Har Megiddo means the hill of Megiddo. So some people wonder, is that really where it's going to take place? I, I'm not sure, but. For our uh, study tonight, that's what I mean when I say Armageddon, that final battle, which is, this is all pointing toward that battle at the end of the tribulation. But establishing Armageddon, letter A, the physical signs. And you see that there in verse 30 and, and 31. Uh, it says there, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, and columns of smoke. Would that get your attention? <laughs> if those things happen. Now we've seen blood moons. I mean that's you know, the, the moon turns a, a darker shade of red. Uh, but here fire, columns of smoke, 31 there. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. But all this takes place before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord, as you recall, is one of the themes of Joel. It's mentioned, I believe, five times. And it's the day of the Lord is a specific period of judgment. And it's, it's actually referred to in chapter 2 of the coming Assyrian attack. That's a day of the Lord. Uh, and then the day of the Lord... Is sometimes seen as the tribulation period, but here the great and awesome day of the Lord, I think, is talking about the very end of the tribulation, which is Armageddon, is that battle at the end. But here, just the word pictures of the wonders in the heavens, all this, the catastrophes and the, the physical signs, it just makes you think of the tribulation when you read about that. Uh, just keep your place here in Joel. We'll, we'll keep coming back here. So you want to maybe put a piece of paper in there. But turn to Revelation 8. Revelation chapter 8. Just for a sampling of some of this uh, 
the celestial judgments and things, that, the signs in the skies during the tribulation. Revelation 8, verses 6 to 12. Just look at what, what will happen. And this is partway through, remember, the 21 judgments in Revelation. I think these are numbers 8 through 11. But verse 6, Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there, there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and, there, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up. So there's the fire, right? And a third of the trees were burned up, and, and all green grass was burned up. Verse 8, the second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. And so there, there is the mention of blood. Uh, verse 10, then the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and of the springs of water. The name of the star was, is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many of the people died from the water because it was made bitter. And the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. And so, like I said, that's just a sampling. But you see there, there's fire, blood, the sun is blacked out, and all, all these things. And this is leading up, this is through the tribulation, leading to Armageddon. Um, but back to, back to Joel, if you would. Joel 2. But this all happens before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Um, verse 32, such an encouraging verse. And as, we, as Jan helped us before it's it's quoted in the new testament in romans 10 13 for everyone who calls on the name of the lord shall be saved now if the context is the tribulation this is during the tribulation period the church we will will already be in heaven so those remaining on earth in that time can still be saved they can still call on the name of the lord now that's now that's encouraging, right? I mean, that's that's wonderful, and perhaps you know if the tribulation happens sometime soon, there may be people we know who do just that, and maybe even family members who have heard the truth will come to Christ, and and there's there's still hope even in the time of judgment. God, we we still see His compassion and His love and His desire for people to be saved. It's a personal salvation. That's that second point. Personal salvation. And then the third point is national restoration. And this takes place as well. Uh, this is chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And some of this is leading up to the tribulation, I think, in the days we currently live in now. And some of this will take place during the tribulation. 
But look what it says there for, in verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time, that's two, two separate time periods. In those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. So first is the time period leading up to it. In those days. And I think we're living in those days now where God is restoring the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, right now as we speak, it's, it kind of seems hard to believe with the war going on over in Israel. But since 1948 and the reinstatement of the state of Israel, of the nation of Israel, and the, the mass migration of Jewish people back to their homeland, I mean, that, this is taking place now, the restoration of the people of Israel, of Judah and Jerusalem. In those days, I think that's what that's talking about, right now, and it says, at that time. I think that's talking about you know, the tribulation and toward the end of the tribulation. And you know, you know, since verse 2 tells us, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there. So there's a time in the tribulation when God will gather all the nations, and he'll arrange it such that all the nations will be gathered against Jerusalem uh, in, a, in a physical sense. The armies of the world will be in Israel. That's, that'll be quite a sight to see. And I think that's leading up to that final battle. Uh, I want you to see some of these verses here. Go to Zechariah 12. Just a few minor prophets to the, to the right here. Zechariah 12. And verse 3. Well, let's start in verse 2. Zechariah 12:2 Behold I am about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples the siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah on that day I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples all who lift all who lift it will surely hurt themselves and all the nations of the earth will gather against it so you see there, all the nations are coming against Israel at some future time. Uh, go over to chapter 14, Zechariah 14, 2. Let's back up to 1. Behold, the day is coming for the Lord, when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped, Half of the city shall go into exile, but the rest, the people, shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations, as when he fights on a day of battle. And if you recall what I said about Armageddon and the location of this battle earlier, some people think that the battle will actually take place in Jerusalem. Because look at verse 4 here. Here you have all the nations around the city of Jerusalem, and God is going to fight for them. Verse 4, on that day, his feet, this is Christ, 
shall stand on the Mount of Olives. That's right beside Jerusalem. It says uh, that lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley. So that one half of the mount shall, turn, shall move northward and the other half southward. Uh, and, and you shall flee to the valley of my mountains for the valley of the mountains shall reach Azal. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah the king. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. So it's obviously the return of the Lord. The Lord is coming, but he comes to Jerusalem. Well, he comes to the Mount of Olives specifically. And if you pair that even with Revelation 19, this could be where he comes. Uh, it's some of it is speculation, but the point is we're on the winning side and we can, we can be encouraged by, by that. But God is restoring the, the nation of Israel right now. Um, but there is a time when the nations will be gathered against it as well. Now, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, that was given there in Joel 3-2. And scholars don't really know where that valley is. That's not a technical valley on a, on a map, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. King Je Jehoshaphat was a, he was a king, you probably recognize that name, but he ruled about 30 years before Joel gave this prophecy. So they knew who he was, but it's just a, you know, the idea is um, there, there will be a place of judgment somewhere there in Israel. We don't know specifically where it is, but point D, the international Reaping, point D, back there in Joel 3. And we read these verses all, already there, but verses 4 to 8. And it talks about the nations, Tyre and Sidon, the, the regions of Philistia. Uh, kind, of, kind of interesting there. It says in verse 4, What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia, are you paying me back for something? I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting question that God is asking. If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. What I think this is talking about here is there are times, and we saw this with the Assyrian army earlier, that God uses even pagan nations and Gentile armies to come against Israel and, and discipline them. And he uses, he uses the enemy as a tool in his plan. But as we, I don't have the reference, but we read it in the previous sermon, with the, with the Assyrians, they were a tool to, to discipline Israel. But then later, when, the, when that was done, God would discipline the Assyrians. God would also judge them for their sins. And I think that's the idea here, Tyre and Sidon and the Philistines. There are times in Israel's history when he used them to judge Israel because of their rebellion and sin. But now he, he's going to judge them for, for, for their own sins. No, no sin is, is left out. God is, God is just. And we see that here. But 
if you're paying me back, I will, ret I will return your payment uh, you know, on, on your own head. He talks about how they stole the, the items from the temple in Jerusalem and took it to their own temples and all these terrible things. And uh, they're, they're going to reap what they sowed. Even if for a time they were used by God, now they would be judged by God. So international reaping. And then point two, executing Armageddon. Point two here, executing Armageddon. Here we're coming to the end of the tribulation. The setup is being made for this final battle. And let's go ahead and read verses 9 to 16 of Joel 3. Proclaim this, this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring, yourselves, bring down your warriors, O oh, oh Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. And then verse 16 is good news. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. So here, here we see things moving toward that final battle, but God there at the very end is a refuge and a safe place for his people. But letter A there, judgment on the nations. I mean, we see that there. God, is, God has gathered the nations to, to Israel, to surround J J Jerusalem there. And you know, there in verse 9, consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Everybody needs to get ready to fight. If, uh, let them come up. And then verse 10, what do you think that means when it says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears? Get ready for war. And this is so important. Everybody must fight. That, you know, even just take your farming tools and make them into weapons. This is so important. If you don't win this, you aren't going to need those farming tools anymore, uh, is the idea. Let the weak, even the weak, who w you wouldn't normally think would fight, let him say, I am, I am a warrior. And I'll, you know, here as they gather, um, I, I love what it says there in, uh, in verse 12, toward the end of the verse, as the nations are there getting ready to fight, for there I will sit to judge them, to, to judge all the surrounding nations. God is going to judge them. And we know from Revelation 19, that's Christ. 
the Ancient of Days. Uh, and he will come and very easily, just with his spoken word, will, will wipe out all these nations. But he's sitting, re ready to judge. Uh, and, you know, the harvest will be great for all this sin and rebellion, as we see it there. Really kind of a gruesome picture there with the harvest and the blood and the wine press of God's wrath. But look down at verse 14. For the day of the Lord is near where? In the valley of decision. Yeah, this is, this is probably another metaphor to the valley of Jehoshaphat or the valley of Megiddo. But this is a decision. A decision has been made. Everyone who will be killed and slaughtered has decided what side they're going to be on. And they've, all of these, you know, all these soldiers have decided to rebel against God. And so they've, they've decided. This is not God just choosing, no, you're going to die. You're no, these are people who have, who have decided and rebelled against God. Huh. So judgment on the nations and then joy for Israel. Letter B there, as we saw in that last verse. But the Lord is a refuge. Aren't you thankful that even in a time of judgment, God is a refuge? God is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. And a refuge is a shelter from danger. And some, somewhere where you can be safe. A stronghold is a place of safety. And definitely, you know, to, to trust in the Lord and to rely on him for help. I want you, I want you to see a couple passages in the New Testament. Um, it did say there in verse 15 how the moon will be darkened, the stars will withdraw their shining. And then this happens. Go to Matthew 24, verse 29, Matthew 24, and interestingly enough, this is the Olivet Discourse. This is Christ talking to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And if you recall, what did we just read about the Mount of Olives? That, yeah, when Christ comes, he will come to this very place, to the Mount of Olives, and it will split as he defeats the nations. Matthew 24, 29 to 31. Christ says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's exactly what Joel 3.15 was talking about, that just before this judgment, the stars would stop shining. And, and all, the, all that would happen. Verse 30, Then will appear the, in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. But here, here we see the celestial darkness and, and those, you know, the fulfillment of the prophecy. I want you to go to Revelation 19. We've been talking about it. 
Armageddon. Actually, before you get to 19, I want you to go to chapter 16. Remember I said Armageddon is only used one time in the Bible. So I want to read that passage and then read the passage of the battle of Armageddon. Just so we're familiar with what is yet to take place. So Revelation 16, um, let's see, start at verse 14. Okay, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Verse 16, and they assembled them at the, at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. There's the only occurrence of Armageddon in the whole Bible. Revelation 16, 16. So here they've gathered for battle. And then you, you go all the way over to chapter 19. And you actually have that battle take place. In 19, starting at verse 11. So let's go ahead and read that. Then I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And by the way, that's you and I riding white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and with a loud voice he called to the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of the kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him, who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in, his, in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that comes from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Wow. That's an amazing passage. Yet to come. It, it will happen. But they, all these armies are defeated by the sword that comes out of the mouth of Christ. That's his, it's talking about his words. His spoken word. And that's, that's what's going to take place. So we see that prophesied in Joel. So not only would the 
the enemies of the Jewish people be destroyed, but all the nations will be destroyed. That's the prophecy. So as we come to an application for this, ask yourself the question, are you on the winning side? Are, are you on God's team? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior? Are you on the winning side? If not, you need to do that. Put your faith in Him. Are you, are you praising God for His sovereignty, for His power, for His justice? These things aren't just coincidence or just happenstance. These are designed and planned by God. This is God's sovereign will. And He, is, he has planned these things precisely. Um, are you looking forward to what's coming next? I mean, it, it's not going to be gory or evil or wicked. There's the millennial kingdom. And then eternity future in the new heaven and new earth and paradise. All these things is the final judgment of sin. It's all necessary. So next time, we're actually going to look at the rest of the story, the the millennium, the future state. They're the final verses of Joel. Uh, can't get any better than that. Uh, so, and one last question here. Is we, we know what's going to happen. We know that there is, you know, the, there's an any moment rapture and we will escape. And tribulation is soon to begin. Are, are you warning the lost of what is yet to come? Are you sharing the gospel and telling those who need to hear the good news of what they need to do? Let's, let's make sure. We, we, let's, you know, let's redeem the time. We don't know how much time remains. We could, you know, it, it could all happen before next Sunday. I mean, it could happen tonight, the rapture. So... Let's make sure we warn the lost. But Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the message of your word here as we think about the coming tribulation, the judgment to come on the nations that have rejected Christ. We thank you that there is salvation in Christ as well. We thank you for the verse there in Joel 2, 32, how whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we thank you that applies even today before the rapture we can trust Christ and be gloriously saved and born again. Pray that you would help us to be witnesses and to warn the lost of the truth of what is yet to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.